So today we're continuing our series, our relationship series, and this has been said every week, but I'm going to say it again. I love this series so much because I think that when we talk about relationships, sometimes we talk about singles, which means all the married people are like checked out, or we talk about married and then all the singing, you know, on and on and on. But I love this series because it's all about how do we just get good at relationships? How many of us know that what the, the, the pillars of a healthy relationship, if we get good at that, then all of our relationships are going to improve. Our romantic relationships, our work relationships, our relationships with our family. If we just get these fundamentals right, if we continually work on these, not perfect, but continually devote ourselves to developing healthy relationship tools, then we can be confident that we can step into any relationship with greater confidence and greater grace. Amen? So today we're talking about pursuing connection, and I have to tell you, I have a bold and ambitious prayer for this message today. I am believing that this is going to be a word for us personally that transforms how powerful we feel in our own relationships. I believe that this is going to be a word for us corporately that transforms how we engage with each other right here in community. And I am believing that this is a word for us as a people who are called to New York City in transforming how we serve and how we love our city. Not because of anything that I have to say, but because of what the Holy Spirit will speak as I talk. So we are going to be bold and we are going to pray into this. Amen. So dear Jesus, we just thank you that in you, we have freedom. In you, we have hope. In you, our hope will never be put to shame. We praise you that you give us the ability to have relationships with with each other, not just the ability, but you actually call us to love and to serve. And we thank you that you continually teach us the way to do this better and better, that people who do not yet know you will see you alive in us and through us and may experience your marvelous mercy and love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're talking about pursuing connection. And I think, you know, I sort of imagine that some of us in this room are like, I'm so good at this. I'm just going to check out because I am so good at creating connection, right? In a city like New York, it's super easy for us to feel connected whether we want to be or not, right? We're connected with people next to us on the subway. We're connected with people with us at work. We're connected here in church. We come in on a Sunday and we say, how are you? You good? You good? Your week was good? Okay, good. Connected, right? And we actually, we have people all around us. We have people texting us all the time. And so it's really easy for us to say, you know what? I am connected. But what about the times where we feel like I have all this connection in my life, but if I'm honest, I feel lonely. I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed. There's a lot of people in my life, but if I'm being honest, if it were to all hit the fan tomorrow, I don't know who I would call. We show up at work, we show up at church, we show up to our friends, we even show up in our community group. 
But we are not known or seen. Nobody really knows what's going on in our lives. What would they think if they did? See, I think that what we have settled for with connection is actually simply a transaction. We have settled for transactions instead of true connection. Transactions say, I do this and then you do this in return. We transact. But true connection means that we are vulnerable enough to be seen and known as we authentically are and we create space for the other person to also be seen and known and accepted. True connection creates high trust environments where we can truly be ourselves and others can experience the love of Jesus in us and through us. But we don't pursue this kind of connection very easily, do we? Because it's scary. True connection is scary. And so we sort of set some boundaries around it, right? We say, I am a healthy and safe person. Isn't it funny that we always think we're the healthy and safe people? I am a healthy and safe person, and therefore I am only going to be in relationship with other healthy and safe people. Sounds good, but there's some risks here. The number one risk is that our world is small and our impact is small. If I'm a healthy and safe person and I'm only in relationship with other people who are healthy and safe, then where is the grace for people who are still learning how to be healthy and safe people? You know, years ago, there was a friend of mine here at Liberty when I first started coming here, and she was at, she, she would not mind me telling you, she was one tough cookie. And we were new friends, and I had made a mistake in our friendship. I had said something, she had told me something, and I had said it out of turn, and it wasn't said to me in confidence, and there was a whole backstory, but it doesn't matter. I had to own that I did not exercise very good discernment in that moment. And so I, I called her, and I asked her to coffee, and we sat down, and we had coffee, and I said, I'm so sorry, I was wrong. No excuses, I was wrong. And then I sort of grabbed the table and braced myself because I really thought she was gonna read me the riot act. And I, was, I had been wrong, so I was like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna take it. And she thought a moment and she said, you know, Don, I know your heart and I know that you did not intend to hurt me and I forgive you. And I said, what? That's it? Don't you want to yell at me? Don't you want to be mad at me? Isn't there like something? She says, no, Don. I said, that's incredible. And she said, no, it's just grace. And one day I'm going to need it from you. See, in that moment, she gave me safe space to learn how to become a safe person. And that's where we have some real power, to be able to get together and create safe spaces that say, listen, I know you're figuring this out, I'm figuring this out, let's create safe space between us to figure it out together. See, Jesus did not, he did not love only safe people. Jesus knew that he would be betrayed, and what did he do? 
He washed the feet of his disciples. Even when he knew they were not safe, even when they knew that they would, he, they would betray him. In John 13, 12 through 17, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, Jesus' ability, his decision to love others, his decision to serve others was never dependent on how the other person acted or what the other person said. He chose for himself to be loving in all circumstances, to serve in all circumstances. But still we look for our safe people, right? And so we come into church and we come in with these expectations. This is church. This is where people are going to be nice to me 100% of the time. This is where I'm always going to be loved. I'm always going to be accepted. This is where I will always feel like I belong. And then we meet people in church and we figure out that they are imperfect just like us. And they are messy just like us. And they are figuring out life and faith and the journey and the walk with Jesus just like us. And in that moment, we have a choice. We can check out. Well, they did not meet my expectations. I am out of here. Or we can choose to stay and keep people at a distance avoiding any real connection, or we can do the hard, holy work of continually choosing to pursue real connection. What if having safe relationships is not based on finding safe people, but learning how to be a person who can pursue connection without fear because we have decided to be a safe person and to make safe decisions for ourselves and other people. What if finding that real, authentic connection with someone else is actually an inside job? Now, if you have been around for a while and you know my story and you know my background, I know what you're thinking right now. Time out. Time out, Dawn. You are talking about pursuing connection. That's hilarious. Lincoln was here. He knows. Because when I came into Liberty for the first time seven and a half years ago, it would have been hard to find anyone less interested in pursuing connection than I was. I sat in the back and I crossed my arms and I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to hug anybody. People would say, oh, we love you. And I'd be like, you don't know me. I was an absolute delight, let me tell you. But I, as much as I genuinely wanted connection, I didn't know how to get it because I had 
chosen to believe two different lies. Number one, I believed that I was not a people person. I'm an idea person. I'm not a people person. I'm an idea person. And I also believed that I would never find acceptance in the church. I was too loud. I was too opinionated. It would just never work. And I grew up in the church. And so I had lived with these lies for a really long time. So I came because I thought that that was what God wanted me to do. I showed up. I was here every Sunday. I came in late and I left early and I didn't talk to anybody. I kept my distance. Because distance made me feel like I was powerful, safe, and in control. Distance made me feel powerful because I thought, well, if I think that you'll reject me, I'll reject you first, and that way I have the power. Or if I'm standoffish and I put it on you to try to get to know me, then I've got the power. Or if I'm distant, maybe I will think that I'm superior, and therefore I will have the power. Again, I was a delight. And I also thought distance would keep me safe. If we sat down for coffee and I just continually deflected every question back to you, then I could believe, one, that I was generous, and two, that we were having a real connection. But I was keeping myself safe. If I felt like you hurt me or you had the power to hurt me, I would put up a wall and I would call it a healthy boundary. Distance kept me safe because I could bury myself in my work and work always gave me the perfect excuse not to show up in my life. Distance made me feel in control. I could decide who I let in my life. I had very high standards of who that could be and everybody was always on probation. Access could be revoked at any time. I, saw, I thought that I was safe, but really I was stuck. I was keeping myself outside of the greater things that God had for me. It's like I was praying for things and I was believing for things and there were things that I thought were true for my life that weren't my reality and I couldn't figure out how to get it. It was like they were all locked up behind this big vault and I couldn't figure out the combination. Now listen, God, can, God did bless me during that time. God can bless us anywhere, anytime. He is not dependent on our actions. But for me, what I learned is that the combination to the vault was community. Because it was when I was willing to be available, when I was willing to be vulnerable in community, that I discovered my calling, that I cultivated my gifts, that I learned how to be real with people. And let me tell you what, I am a long, long way from being done with this journey. But I have walked some hard miles and Jesus has done a mighty work in me in this area of my life. And there's a few reasons why I talk about this story so often. Number one, because it is a testimony of what God has done in my life. But also because I know that everybody comes here a little bit differently. Some people come in here and you guys are the extroverts. You are like, I am signing up for everybody, everything. I want to meet everybody. I want to connect. I want to join all the groups. Can I join all the community groups? I really want to. And I just want to honor you if that's you because we need you. We need you in this place. And then there's people who come in and maybe they aren't that outgoing, but they find their group of friends and they're a safe space and they are show up for each other and they find true friendship. And if that's you, I just want to say, 
Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus for that community. And when we find that, we have an opportunity, and I would say even a responsibility to reach out a hand and help somebody who does not yet have that find their way. But I also know, I also know that there are people in this room who, for whatever reason, when we talk about connection, especially connection in church, feel like, you know what, this is hard for me. This doesn't come naturally to me for whatever reason. Maybe it's church hurt or maybe it's, um, you know, things in your past or maybe it's fears that you have. Maybe there's lies that you're believing like I did. But if that's you today, I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. I want you to know today if all you can do as I could is just show up that God is working in your life, that God is faithful to bring to pass the promises that he has spoken over you. And there is a place for you here. The only reason that any of us can do this is because of Jesus. It is because of Jesus that we are not victims in our relationship to our parents or our past or anything else. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be free from shame, free from fear, free from comparison, free from self-condemnation, free from generational bondage, free from addiction, free from the lies of the enemy, free from our past, free from words that are spoken over us, and free from our own sin. It is because of Jesus that we have hope for real lasting connection. And that connection is not based on finding somebody else who does the right things or always says the right things, but because of what Jesus empowers us to do, to be, as Paul said last week, powerful people in our own relationships. So today we've lost our clock. So today we're going to talk about seven pillars of healthy relationships. And again, this is from the book Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. It sounds like a book about keeping the romance alive in your marriage, but it's actually not. It's just saying, listen, there's a lot of things that we go through in life, and uh, how do we stay loving when uh, maybe things around us um, are not going as planned? So number one is love. The question we can ask ourselves are, are my actions creating a loving environment? The Bible has a lot to say about love. Mark 12, 30 through 31 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And it also says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Does anybody else hear that and think, wow, that is a really, really tall order? Anybody else? Is it just me? That's a lot, right? But what these verses are really saying is, as Heidi Baker says, that love must look like something. When we choose love, we, our actions are consistent with making someone feel safe and protected, valued and significant, pursued, seen, and known. 
when Matt and I were dating, um, we were going out. I think we had gone out for like one or two dates. And then I got an email. This was before text and before automobiles. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But I got an email and he said, this is where I'm going to be every night this week. These are the nights I'm free. I would love to spend this with you if you're available, but here's where I am. Now, for me, with my dating history and my trust issues, that was the best email I could have gotten because it says, I'm going to create an environment where you know that I want to be with you, but you can also trust that where I, you know, these are the places that I am. And it was about that time also that we were living in California in Oakland and we went to a concert in San Jose where I was working and so we met up and we had different cars and it was late at night and as I drove home, Matt drove behind me the entire way to make sure that I got home safely. It wasn't something that we talked about, it wasn't something, I know, you can't applaud that, right? (laughs) But in that moment, he made me feel safe and protected. And when uh, we met, he had two sons. He still does. Now they're my stepsons. And I thought, you know, it's okay if he doesn't want me to meet them right away. First week, he's like, why don't we all go out together on Friday night? He invited me into his life and didn't put any distance. Those were three things that he did that long before we ever said the words, I love you, I felt loved. His actions were creating an environment that made me feel loved. See, pursuing connection means that we choose to take actions that show someone we love them, not because of what they say or do, but because we want to be a loving person in a relationship. That is our identity as sons and daughters of God. So that's number one. Number two is, is honor. Am I choosing to honor the other person in this relationship? Denny Silk in his book says this, true honor is the practice of two powerful people putting one another before themselves, empowering one another, working together to meet one another's needs and adjusting as necessary in order to move together toward the shared goals of the relationship. Honor is also the practice of calling out the best in one another. This can be expressed both in words of praise, you are amazing, and in words of correction. Hey, you are way too awesome to be acting like that. Remember who you are and stop it. I would probably phrase that a little differently, but whatever. (laughs) So honor is something that... um, I'm learning a lot about right now. As I mentioned, Matt is um, my boss, and we have a dynamic as a married couple, and that is that one of the many dynamics, and one of the, and that is that Matt is the problem solver. It doesn't matter what the problem is, Matt will solve the problem. If it's opening a jar or fixing the internet or putting together furniture, Matt is your guy. He is a problem solver, which is good for me because I don't like doing any of that. So it works for us. So I'm in his office a few weeks ago, and I had a difficult conversation that I had to have as pastor. And I said, "Um, Matt, I'm going to need you to sit in on this. And he thought for a moment, and then he said, no. (laughs) What? What is this strange language you're speaking? No. What do you mean no? And he said, well, I wouldn't do it for another pastor. I would give them guidance, I would give them advice, but I would not sit in on that conversation with another pastor, so I'm not going to do it for you. 
And then I thought for a moment, and I said, well, you're also an elder, and as an elder, you technically report to me, and I'm telling you, you need to sit in on that conversation. I thought I was so clever, checkmate. I was not. He didn't sit in on the conversation. But what's happening right now is that we have different roles and we are coming up against boundaries and we are crossing those boundaries and we don't actually even know that those boundaries exist. And so we are continually having to stop and be like, whoa, wait a minute, that does not feel good. Why doesn't that feel good? Let's talk about this. And so we are constantly having to uh, adjust and reassess. Now, I know that the way I said that might lead you to believe that every single one of those conversations is very calm and loving and healthy. No. Sometimes those conversations get a little heated. Um, but in one particular conversation that we had, afterwards I went to the bathroom. I didn't storm to the bathroom, by the way. I just had to go to the bathroom. And as soon as I closed the door, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, listen, your husband has a deep need to know that he is good at his job. He is the lead dog. I have placed him in this space. And right now, he needs you to recognize that place. And you need to honor him. And I thought, how does anyone ever get through a relationship without the Holy Spirit? I don't even know. And so I'd like to tell you that I came out and was a complete grown-up about it. I wasn't. I pouted a few more minutes. But we worked it out, and I needed to honor my husband. I needed to honor the role that he was in, both as my husband and as my boss. When we pursue connection, we put the needs of somebody else above our own. Number three is self-control. Oh, uh, am I choosing my actions in this relationship or I al am I allowing my emotions to call the shots? When we do not choose self-control, it looks like this. You did this or you said this and therefore I did this or said this in response. So therefore my actions are your fault. Self-control says I choose my actions and my words based on who I want to be and the kind of relationship I want. My actions are not dependent on what you say or do. I will continue, regardless of what you do, to choose to pursue connection with you because that is my choice. Self-control is not simply saying no to something. It is saying no to one thing and yes to the greater thing. Is this going to produce the outcome that is consistent with the person I want to be and the relationship I want to be in? Self-control gives us the power to manage ourselves against the goals for our life and our relationships. Number four is responsibility. Am I choosing to be responsible in this relationship? And by the way, if you guys are like, this sounds hard, it is hard, but it's a lifelong process. This isn't something that we all suddenly get right one day and never have to deal with again. It is something that Jesus calls us to press into and to continually develop. Being responsible means that we make powerful choices consistent with who we are. And when we make choices that are wrong, when we make mistakes, that we choose to clean them up. That makes, creates for us a confidence that we have the ability to create good relationships. When we take responsibility, we're not victims or powerless in our relationships. We feel safe, we make good decisions for ourselves, and we can pursue connection with intention. Number five is truth. 
Am I choosing truth in this relationship? Have you ever met someone or heard someone say something like this? I just have to speak my truth. Has anyone ever heard that? And very often what happens is that when we are speaking our truth is we are actually speaking the truth about what the other person did wrong, right? Like, I just have to speak my truth. You were unkind or you were this or you were that. But that is not truth. That's actually judgment. And so I think that in any given relationship, there's actually four truths. There's my truth, there's your truth, there's the truth, and there's God's truth. Let me explain. My truth might be beauty. We love beauty. Uh, Give it up for beauty. Beauty's our service director. Let's say that beauty says something to me that hurts my feelings, which she never would because she's the nicest person ever. And I say, you know what? My truth is that you hurt my feelings. And beauty says, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. That's her truth. The truth is that she said something and I chose to have my feelings hurt, okay? So all of that is the three truths. But we always want to run that against God's truth, Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is is his glory to overlook an offense. And so even though there's my truth, how I felt in the situation, and beauty's truth, and the truth, we together have to run that against God's truth. God's truth says overlook an offense, and that is the ultimate truth. So are we choosing truth? God's heart is, as Brianne said earlier, is for reconciliation. And so when we are in a relationship and we choose truth, what we are choosing to do is not simply to tell the truth about the situation, but to also be honest and open about how we are experiencing something. You know what? You said that and I feel... Uh, that makes me feel bad because I'm telling myself a story and on and on. I'm choosing to be truthful and vulnerable and therefore giving beauty good information about how we can pursue a good connection going forward. Number six, faith. Am I trusting God as my source in this relationship? Sometimes we can look to others for things like our self-worth or our provision or our identity. These can be in romantic relationships, they can be in work relationships, they can be in friendships. But when we look to others to provide something that only God can provide, what happens is that we create relationships rooted in fear instead of in faith. Because after all, if I'm getting from you my identity, if I'm getting from you confirmation that I'm lovable, if I'm getting from you my self-worth, if you leave, there goes all of those things. But we can pursue connection when we trust God as our source. Because God is my provider, I can be generous. Because God loves me unconditionally, I can love you unconditionally. Because Christ forgives me, I can forgive you. Because my identity is in Christ, I am free to let you be who you are in Christ. Because Christ is my model for what love looks like, not my parents or my past, I'm confident that I know how to love you and be in relationship. Number seven is vision. Do I have a God-centered vision for this relationship? I think there are actually three visions in a relationship. There's our, our vision for ourselves. Am I becoming the person I want to become? 
There's the vision for the relationship. Is this the kind of relationship I want to have? And there's also a vision for kingdom. Is this relationship glorifying God? Vision gives us the power to continue to choose when things get tough. Endurance for difficult times and perseverance, the word tells us, gives us character and character gives us hope. In his book, Danny Selk says this, one of the marks of powerful people is that they proactively establish practices and build relationships that help to renew their vision and remind them of who they are. We have here in this place community. We always say here at Liberty, we are a community and not just a crowd. As the band comes, this is our opportunity to work this out, to experience, as my friend did for me, what it looks like to become healthy and safe people, to show up, to join community groups, to join a team, to uh, our Making Liberty Home is happening next Sunday after our 12 o'clock service. This is where we learn to get this right because when we get it right in here, we are better equipped to go out and to love and to serve the city that we are called to love and serve. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you that in you we have hope that every relationship we can step into from a place of love and a place of power and a place of self-control. We thank you that when it feels like it's too much for us, we cannot do this in our strength, but only through you alive in us. We just ask as we go from this place that you would speak to us in our relationships, that you would whisper in our ear, that you would guide us and help us to pursue true connection without fear, knowing that you are our source. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.